Its energy surrounds us and binds us. What is up, nerds, and welcome back to Carbonite Convos. If this is your first time joining us, you've just taken your first step into a larger world. And if you are a returning visitor, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming back for another podcast episode today. We have number 38 coming at you, and it's something very different than anything we've ever done before. And in addition to that, we, Alec and I, are both actually live on TikTok right now to do a uh, live podcast episode. We are having some issues doing it on YouTube. So, we are here on TikTok uh, to talk about Marvel and Star Wars tonight. Uh, but before we get started, don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at Carbonite Convos and podcast platforms. And you can find me on TikTok at Funko Stud and it, as well as Instagram and Twitter. But right now I'm actually live from our TikTok account called Star Wars MCU Facts. So definitely check us out on those outlets. And I am joined, like always, by Alec Porterfield, a.k.a. Wallcrawler Pops on TikTok. Alec, how we doing today, boss? Dude, I'm phenomenal. I'm, re- I'm actually really excited about this episode because it's something like we've really never really done before. Uh, so super pumped about that. Um, if you guys missed it, we're doing an MCU bracket style tournament, uh, points based. And we'll get into the how it's going to work a little bit more here in a little bit. But Come next week, we're going to do a Star Wars version of it, and then we're going to try to pair up the best or the best uh, MCU villain versus the best Star Wars villain to decide the fate of the galaxy and the fate of the universe, who's the best overall villain. But before we get into it, don't forget about our big three. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell button on YouTube if you're watching on there. Stay alert with everything we're doing. If you're with us on TikTok right now, thanks for hopping in. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the support, and hopefully you guys can chime in on this argument as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So tonight, like Alex said, we're going to be doing the Marvel side. So what we did was we picked eight villains from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we felt deserved to be in the in this competition. Now, um, I'm sure you guys aren't going to agree with every single one that we picked, but there are some on the list that um, they will be in every villains bracket for the MCU. Um So what we did, we took all eight of these villains and we put them into a random number generator and we went, we went one verse two, three verse four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, So this is a completely random setup. And in all honesty, I could not be happier with these, you know, without this ended up. Yeah, definitely. The matchups, the matchups are extremely well, but just because the characters do have a lot in common, the way they're lined up. So we also... Just so that we didn't necessarily agree on everything. We also each chose a character from each bracket we're going to be arguing for. Yeah. Um, so, for example, to start, we have Hela going up against Thanos. Um, I'm going to be arguing for Hela, and Nick's going to be arguing for Thanos. I get the Mad we're Titan. Do, uh, yeah, buddy. Mad Titan. We're going to be assigning each other points for the validity of the arguments and the points we bring up. And at the end, essentially, whoever has the most points given is going to be the winner of each bracket. Yes, sir. Um, so we will keep you guys in the dark on what villains are up next. But right now, we are going to go into Thanos and Hela. And Alec, right off the bat, I kind of felt bad because it's Thanos. Um, I think that's a point in itself. I'm kidding. Um but it, he's the Mad Titan. He's arguably the most infamous villain in Marvel Cinematic University, University in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history. Um, so it definitely is a tough one to compete with. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go first and 
uh, start this off on why you think Hela is a better villain than, than Thanos, because it's going to be, I think it might be tough. Sure. So I'm going to get all my points out about Hela first and all you spit them. out all your po- points about Thanos. We can we obviously go chime in here and there. We can. Um, but because I'm not, to I, it's going to be it hard rolling, if you, absolutely. If you say, if you say them all and I just go point, 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 point. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so I'm just going to start it off. Okay. Let's we have it. Hela, goddess of death, firstborn of Odin, and technically the rightful heir to the throne of Asgard, being the being the oldest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in Thor Ragnarok, which for you guys tuning in is one of my personal favorite MCU movies. Um, we see her in a very menacing light and we are kind of introduced to a truly evil character, um, which I think it goes a lot more in depth than trying to literally just kill people. She's trying to torment, destroy, and take back what she rightfully believes is hers. And in and your defense, she, not, not only is she killing people, but she's also trying to drag them to hell. So that's literally, uh, I mean, it's in, it's yeah. in her name. Yeah, um, that's a point in itself. She has I'm going to go through her, her abilities before we go into what she did in Ragnarok. And again, this is all MCU based, not necessarily comics based. Um, there can be a little bit of that involved as well, but this is just their involvement in the MCU. Um, so she has the ability to control Fenris, who is a threat all on its own. Obviously, Fenris is able to fight Hulk. Fenris is the wolf from Ragnarok, for those of you the, who uh, The big didn't old know the name. wolf, the thing's super dope. Um, she almost takes out Hulk, which is obviously a hard thing to do. There's only a handful of characters that can actually truly kill the Hulk, and Hulk was struggling against, against her. Um, also, her ability to bring back that entire army using, obviously, the Eternal Flame goes hand in hand with her ability of necromancy and obviously the the mystic arts, if you want to call it that she's immortal has the ability to manifest weapons out of nothing weapons and armor as guardian physiology. So she gets her power from the, the place Asgard, Mm -hmm. right? Which obviously is only destroyed because of Surtur. If that didn't happen, her power would have exponentially grown. The longer she stayed on the the planet, or what do you want to call it, in the realm? Yeah. The longer she stayed in the realm, the longer she stayed on Asgard, the stronger she grew. Um, Superhuman strength, superhuman durability, speed, agility. And she's obviously able to take out nearly the entire Asgardian army on her own right away Mm -hmm. i'll give you that um she's literally a goddess before thor was born she was worthy of holding mjolnir well i think she still is she was able to stop it if you're able to stop it and she worthy she's literally able to catch it and she literally destroys it you have the power to literally destroy a weapon which only thor the god of thunder someone who is worthy of wielding the weapon can hold but she can destroy that. Exactly. You're making a good argument. She also completely wipes out the Valkyrie uh, aside from Valkyrie. Yeah. Um, no, like the, le- she, the Valkyrie Legion. Exactly. That's not what it's called, but the Legion of the right. Valkyrie. Obviously we have plural. the one survivor that we know of. We call her Valkyrie. Um, 
but she's able to wipe out all of them. And they're probably one of the most fierce group of warriors in all of the nine realms. Okay. If not the most. No, you that's, um, those are good points. Is that a, that's pretty that much what I got Hela? listed out. I'm things can come up as well. I'm sure. But I want to hear some of the things you have behind Thanos. All right. Sounds good. Now the way I approached it is I just went through while you were talking and whenever you made a point, whenever you made a good point, I made a little, little check mark. All right, so the first thing, and I think what makes a good villain is their cause, and it's as mad as this Titan was, it, you had to admire what he was trying to do, because I wrote, first off, he was genuinely, he genuinely believed that what he is doing will save the universe, so automatically, he already has a great cause behind him. Unfortunately, the part where I'm arguing that makes him the best villain as well is he did not care how he he got to that goal. Think another Literally big doing one. willing to do anything. Exactly. Anything. Um, I think the biggest one, one of the biggest ones is he gave the Avengers their first defeat. We've seen the Avengers at this point in Infinity War. They have um, they have assembled twice for Ultron and the attack from the Chitauri army in New York city, but they won both times, obviously not without thousands, possibly millions of lives lost, but they were able to stop the threat. And this is Thanos was the first time where they weren't able to stop him and killed half the life on earth. Um, next, I have just the brutality of his ways because he spent uh, another thing that makes a villain one of the best villains is how evil they are. And he literally spent decades committing genocide across the, across the universe. So that alone in itself kind of, you know, sets him apart. This is more movie wise. I think one of the main, I keep saying one of the main things, obviously these are all main things. One thing that stuck out to me was an infinity war. I think it was within the first two and a half, three minutes. He literally killed two semi-major character one major character and another semi-major character in loki and heimdall and clearly that has a lot to do with writing setting up that infinity war is about to break your heart but still we had not seen two characters die that close together at the very beginning of a movie before you know before that time you know this kind of ties in but he will kill anything and anybody he wants with ease to get what he wants um, and he wants things so bad that this was uh, what that kind of segued into. He wants what he wants so bad that he has a team full of villains that are powerful in, in its own, especially Ebony Maw, because this guy literally doesn't have the time to do everything that he wants to do. He needs to I don't know if he's hiring them or, you know, he's promising them uh, paradise after death, something like that. But he has a. a brutal team of followers that are willing to do anything he says he sacrifices Gamora I think that was you know it, it shows you kind of the inner workings of Thanos's mind that the one thing he loves he was willing to give up for his his objective his destiny as he calls as he calls it he said he ignored his destiny once and he couldn't do it again this next one was a little little sadder I Obviously, it was it was in incredibly sad when he sacrificed Gamora, but the way that he has treated his other daughter Nebula throughout the entire time we see him in the MCU is one in itself because 
He openly calls Gamora his favorite daughter. He, we have seen him torture Nebula on multiple occasions in the MCU. So, yes, he's treated Gamora very, very great. But on the other hand, he has literally torn apart everything about Nebula uh, physically. Placed her piece by piece. Yes. And what, what I think made it even more menacing is she was replaced with robotic parts every time she lost to Gamora. Exactly. So she was was belittled every time they fought, even more so Gamora's winning his favor and she's being used and hurt. Even exactly. He's trying to make her better. Um, You know, and he's trying to do that with technology rather than want to say encouragement or being a parent. But clearly, you know, he's not the best dad. This one, I know it's point worthy. He committed the most devastating act in the history of the MCU. You can't have Thanos and not mention the snap. No, no, no way. What? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, So the snap is one one in itself. Um, In Endgame, it took an entire army of the universe's greatest heroes to beat him. I think another one that makes him the best is he was the first being to ever collect all six stones. It was something that not only had it never been done before, but it was something that very few people even knew about. Um, They didn't know this this type of power. Um, So let me let me just go down the list really quick. Okay, this one is a lot different now. I think what we've seen. Throughout a villain's arc, not only in the MCU, but in cinematic history, when some when a villain says, I want to do this, and then that's it. That's all I want. Usually it tends to be they want they they succeed at their task when the villain does succeed. Usually, you know, good always wins. But when the villain succeeds at their task, they always want more. So they always want more power. But I think what makes Thanos a really interesting villain is the fact that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He balanced the universe and that was it. Then he was going to rest. That was it. So he did the snap and then he went to the garden and he rested until, you know, his head rested off his body. That's interesting you bring that up because I was actually going to argue against that right there and look at them look at the moral and the reason why each character behaves the way they do why does thanos want to snap and destroy half of half of all life you're, you're making a great point and that's where it's hard because does that make them the best villain or does that make right. them more of a hero what he's, what he's doing the how he's going about is it is that he is evil it's an evil way okay he's going about it slaughtering and erasing people but at the end of the day, he's trying to do good for, for the, the universe. Few, yes, exactly. And right, he's trying to create a grateful <laughs> universe. What is Hela's yeah. motives? What is why, why is Hela doing what she's doing? She wants what she believes is hers, and she's she's she wants to destroy and enslave. Nothing else. She's not looking yeah, out for one. anybody else. That's she's not trying point. to do anything good for the universe. She no. is trying to destroy, kill and rule and have unlimited power. Yeah, exactly right. So I think, I don't know, like we have, we have, we've gone through our, our list. What do you, what do you think? Who wants to go first? Because it was hard. It, the point system is kind of hard 
because in all honesty, I didn't, there were times where, you know, you were talking and it was two very close in a row. I was like, okay, point, another point, but there weren't anywhere. I was like, oh, that's two points. So maybe we should be a little more lenient with double points on the opposite side of the bracket. I will. Well, what what are we sitting at right now? You tell me first. I had a US 12 for Thanos. I really, I have eight for Hella. Okay. I have eight for so, Hella. So we'll, we'll go ahead and move forward with Thanos. Okay. And then next time we'll see if the snap doesn't get two, then what, what's going to get two? It's hard to decide right. these. these. Well, these... it's exactly how you were saying. Like I gave uh, one, it was back to back. It was like one yeah. for the snap itself and one for for the heroes that it took to destroy him. Like it was back-to-back points. Yeah. So hundred percent. So we'll go ahead and move with Thanos. Thanos uh, wins that round. Okay. So in the bracket, I don't want to do the ones right under that first. I'd rather do the one across. Sure. Because I think the, the one under is very, very interesting. That's going to be a really, a really good one. So I think we should do um, the opposite side of the bracket, which is, Red Skull, who I'm going to be covering, and Alec is going to cover Kaecilius. So, again, we put these in a random number generator, and this is what it spit out. So, we got Kaecilius versus Red Skull. And I just did a decent amount of talking, so why don't you uh, sure. why don't you go first? Kaecilius was Hold one up, of the Before ones we, we get into of... it, thank you for everybody joining in on TikTok so far. I've seen so many names float in and out. We can't thank you enough for joining us for a uh, live Carbonite Convos. Uh, podcast episode but back the, the to fir- the first one on tiktok the first one yes so back to kaecilius versus red skull yeah so kaecilius was kind of one of the last ones we thought of off the bat obviously a master martial artist a master of i'm, I'm gonna say this eldritch magic that could be okay? it yeah and obviously uses a large amount of dark magic and the manipulation of matter outside of the mirror dimension. The ancient one, it doesn't necessarily say it like this, but she makes it a point to say that's wrong. Like you can't do that. Like that's kind of like one of the golden rules of magic is you don't manipulate matter outside of the mirror dimension. You think it has to be because look at what it does. Well, do you mean like like, you don't mess with the flow of time, which is kind of what like Wong and Mordo are talking about, or like what do you mean? Not not necessarily. Okay, you remember the scene where? Well, that's why she's hypocritical. But she uses dark magic to give herself eternal life. He uses dark magic to manipulate it outside of the mirror dimension. Like, go look at the scene right right away when he he's fighting against. Uh, the ancient one when he takes the what is it the book of uh Cagliostro. Okay. That they're in that like alley and it's obviously the buildings and everything are like turning in on itself and things uh, that's in the that's in the mirror dimension. Yeah. But he does that outside of that. So it's causing physical and extra mental damage to the world. And of the things around him. I can only imagine if people were to see that, like the, the amount of torment and like the confusion and things like that, it would cause for a normal human being. Yeah. I don't know if they'd be able to physically survive that. I don't know. I doubt if a building's you know? kind of coming crashing down from the left, I, I don't think right. it'd be hard to beat that. <clears throat> um, 
obviously just like any other master of the mystic arcs he has a sling ring that's his main weapon um he also carries around a couple daggers with him that he's very skillful with his origin story i guess was that his wife died of some mysterious illness he had no idea why and no one could figure out why so he went to um what was Kamartage. the place called on top of the hill on top of the mountain Kamartage. Kamartage. He went to Kamartage seeking help, seeking advice about his future and trying to find out what happened to his wife, looking for answers. And his whole reason for becoming evil is that the ancient one did not keep his promise of being able to help him and answer his questions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she and all the other masters there, were able to teach him the ways, but he could still not truly find an answer and he lost himself in the process. Yeah. Right. Obviously that leads to him stealing from the ancient one's personal collection. Um, he was taking the page out of, that was the book of Cagliostro, I believe, where yeah. he was able to essentially summon Dormammu. If he was able to successfully do that, if Dr. Strange didn't figure out the time loop thing, the obvious Earth the entire universe would be in this dark dimension consumed by Dormammu. Yeah. Right. That's that's a bigger threat than Thanos than a snap than anything you can physically control. At that point, there's no going back. So without Doctor Strange, the universe was on the brink of collapse, uh, on the brink of being gone forever, no do-overs. Nothing like that. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. I think that's a really good point. And then betraying all the masters and essentially stealing his, I don't, I don't want to call them pawns, but the people that he took with him and starting this new movement. Uh, what? Zealots. Of, yes. Zealots. Yes. And obviously, he also contributed to Mordo's reasons for leaving and potentially becoming some sort of villain in the future just because yeah. everything that happened with him created was... that mistrust and the ancient it... one. Exactly. And so obviously Mordo is confused at that point and he might've set up a future villain. Yeah. You know, I wonder, I wonder what the story is because, you know, you have the man that went there because he was paralyzed and clearly the ancient one taught him about this, this dark, the magic from the dark dimension. I wonder why she was all right with him using it. And if she, maybe she just completely blocked Kaecilius off from it. And maybe that's what contributed to it as well, because. Right. I don't, I don't know. That's, it's hard to understand someone that's called the ancient one, but uh, sure. I don't that She does kind of make some, some weird decisions. It was that, was that all you had for Kaecilius? Yeah, that's all I have okay. as far as Kaecilius goes. Sounds good. So now I will go into uh, Red Skull. Give me one sec. So I couldn't, I, I, you know, I did a lot of research on Red Skull, but I, I mainly had to go off of my knowledge from the movie, you know, because he's clearly a, a very evil character. And I'm going to try to avoid the word for Germany during World War II, but I'll get into right. that. So the first thing that I wrote down was he was the first human to seek an infinity stone. He never wanted the infinity stone for a good reason. Like Thanos, it wasn't for some plan to help the universe. He wanted it so he could have all power and 
pretty much rule the earth. So aside from that, he aided with World War II Germany. You know, we're not allowed to really say that word online, (laughs) Um, which is one of America's most infamous enemies in the one of the most infamous enemies of the entire world um, with Adolf Hitler and, uh, you know, that entire regime. So I think him being pretty much the second in command to to A.H., that's uh, I think that was a big one. Another thing that I think makes a good villain, and this is more on the surface level, was how genuinely terrifying they are, because this is a man that was able to literally pull off the skin of his face and he literally looked like a demon. He looked like someone that was dragged out of hell and is living on earth. So um, I think his appearance definitely had had something to do with that. Back to what the doctor says, Dr. Erskine, when he was talking, man, was he talking? Yeah, he was talking to Steve. He said it makes good better. It makes and it, good, great, and bad worse. It makes bad worse. So I think that that says all you need to know about him, even before he took the super soldier serum, that he was a evil person to the core because it took the the dominant parts of him and amplified those and made him this military dictator. So I think that was another one. I don't know if it's point worthy, but I have that he's the first super soldier um, because clearly he was the first person that used the serum. It didn't go how they planned, which is why they had to find a man like Steve Rogers, but he was the first super soldier and kind of stepping away from Red Skull, he becomes the stonekeeper. So he guards the soul stone on Vormir, which I think is, I don't know if you consider that villainous. See, I do because of the process that happens when you have to require the soul stone. Yeah. So we obviously just talked about Thanos sacrificing Gamora. Yep. He, Red Squad, I guess Stonekeeper, you call him Stonekeeper yeah. at this point, is the one that they don't force people to do it, but he's the one that essentially kind of controls that and makes it happen. So yeah. I consider that villainous. Okay. It's kind of like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, exactly. You and know? what is he said? He's, it was a terrible, cur- he was cursed to guard the Soul Stone for all eternity. Um, next, kind of going back to Captain America, First Avenger. He was ready to drop multiple atomic bombs on the biggest city in the world, which clearly he knew about the Tesseract, that it came from the gods. But at this point, I don't really think that was necessarily his goal was to become was to, you know, take over the entire universe. He wanted to take over the earth and lead the people. And he was willing to drop atomic bombs to do that. Next, he was the first. But he brought these extraterrestrial weapons to Earth. He used the Tesseract. So he could literally annihilate people, which every time I watch a death like that in general, where you shoot a plasma gun and it just tears the fabric of their being apart. I'm like, how does that work? Someone has to seek the terrifying, create that kind of weaponry. Yes, it's dude. It's it's terrifying. He aided in the creation of the Winter Soldier, which uh, I thought was, you know, going off of how much we know about the Winter Soldier. Now he aided in creating making Bucky Barnes what he is now. And I think the main thing that makes him that one of the MCU's best villains and why I think he's up on that list is because he started Hydra, which we know Hydra. He was their first leader. He was their first leader. You know, cut off one head, two more take its place. 
And clearly Hydra has, I, I wrote it down that their, their one, their core belief is that humanity couldn't be trusted with its own freedom. They're trying to keep freedom from those that don't have it. And they're trying to take it from those that do. Now, I Loki like that makes you said, real quick. I like that you say that because I don't necessarily think the interesting part comes from him being the leader of Hydra. I think the interesting part is the separation Hydra takes from the, from Germany at that point in time. Yeah. Because like, it becomes, it was used more. to be like their lead. It was created to be like their head of science, head of development, engineering, all that sort of things. And Schmidt essentially makes that his own thing, own evil organization. Yeah. Even though it already really takes it and expands it. All right. So that is, that is all I have for Red Skull. Uh, All right. We got (laughs) to put the point totals. All right. So I have nine for Kaiser. I also have nine. You serious? Yeah. How do we go about that? I didn't. I, didn't I say we coin flip. <laughs> coin flip. All right. Do you have a coin? Actually, no. Let's 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 figure this out real quick. So let's base if we ever have to tie off who would win in a matchup head to head. Oh my goodness, that's hard. Uh, dang, that is really. Hard I feel because- like that would be Caecilius. I feel like it would too, because yes, he does have Red Skull does have super strength, but Kaecilius being able to use magic, Dark magic, that, yeah, that brings it to the next level. So, are we going yeah. with Kaecilius? I think I think so. All right, all right, all round right. two winner. Um, yeah, if you guys are on- with us, let us know what you think. Do you agree? Uh, just we're we're interested to see your opinion. Yeah, let us know in the comments on YouTube um, if you're watching this. Or um, for those of you on TikTok right now, feel free to comment. Let us know. All right, so the next one, do you want to do left or right first? I know we both have the same bracket. Which one do you want to save for last? Let's do left first. Go left. All right, so this was the one that I wanted to save for a little bit. So the next one we are doing is Ultron versus Loki, which I thought this was a super cool one because obviously um, we have – two main Avengers villains from the movies and they happen to get paired up together. So I, I thought this was a, a really cool matchup. Um, who do you no, want to no, You want to go ahead and lead it off with Ultron? Yeah. This one's going to be long for both of us. I feel like. Yeah. So first and foremost, what makes Ultron the best MCU villain is the fact that his main goal is the extinction of the human race. I think that, you know, that kind of says enough as it is. He murdered thousands of people by using Sokovia like a meteor, which I think that is just a completely inhumane way to uh, annihilate the planet. But going off of that, it's the fact that he he literally thinks that he is a god because he talks a couple. He talks about, you know, God throws with the extinction of the dinosaurs, they had their meteor and now God's warming up and he's sending me. So he thinks he's a godlike figure. And then he brings the Bible into it where he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, which those sinister words are. When you manipulate a sentence or a type of thing to be evil type of religious religious spiritual things that are supposed to bring good vibes and positivity and a sense of peace and you manipulate that and turn that into something evil 
that's more than sinister. Yeah, exactly. I think this kind of goes along with the actor that played him as well, but I think he has the most, and I hate to use the word sinister again, but he has the most sinister voice in the entire MCU. The way he plays him so, I don't know if maniacally is the right word, but he plays him so. uh, It's the voice is so dull, long, stretched out, almost, almost dead inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there are, there could be infinite amounts of him, but there's nothing inside. Uh, So I, I, yeah, I like that. How you said that. Um, I think in terms of earth, he had access to every single, uh, uh, every single bit of information that was on the web, which you can do anything you want with that information. So um, the I mean, fact that, absolutely. Like that's how he escaped. Exactly. To begin with through the internet. and dude, there's still a good little chance. He might be out there somewhere. You, you never know really. And with, with how the internet and works that, and he was able to upload himself to the internet yeah. and go wherever he wants. There's have, a shot. We could see him again. Definitely. And we have someone joining us from Australia. So uh, thank you very much for, uh, for tuning in next on the list. He's the product of two Avengers. I don't know if you could make this two points or one points, but he's a product of Tony Bruce and Jarvis, but he was also created from the mind stone. And Clearly, when you think of of a being that they got their powers from an infinity stone, they are the power is immeasurable. So the fact that he was able to be created from the mind stone was was something all in itself. Um, not only that, he unleashed two enhanced people to challenge the Avengers, not only physically, but I think more importantly, mentally, he wanted to tear the Avengers apart from the not the inside of the group but the inside of their own minds which the way he was able to do that was incredible this goes a lot goes back to some of the things that we've talked about with other villains he truly thinks he knows what's best for the world which is nothing will be left except except metal and and the way he says that in the movie it, it it was so kind of bone chilling he was like after this, the only thing that will be left will be metal. And then something drops or something. It was it was incredible. I don't think they could have gotten a better actor to play him, to be honest. Not a one. Not a Not one. James one Spader could have done a better job. James Spader was the best choice for this role. Obviously, he's he fought fights the Avengers, which, you know, when you say that for Loki, I'm gonna give you a point for it. But the fact that Iron Man with his power is coming from an artificial infinity stone. The fact that Iron Man, Thor, and Vision are all three channeling all of their might, their energy into gunning him down, and he is still able to hold it back for as long as he did. Clearly, uh, I can't remember exactly what happens in the end, which made him you know, fly back, but he was holding his own against arguably three of the most powerful people in the universe um, at that, obviously at that point in time um, with vision coming from the mind stone, Thor being, you know, God of thunder. And then Tony Stark with a uh, artificial infinity stone in him. He created an army of himself. Uh, So not only is there one Ultron, there are unlimited Ultron, Ultrons. And I like that. Yeah. 
And the next one is he's the first one to you can make an argument for Loki as well, but he's the first one to divide the Avengers. And the way I see it against Loki is, yes, Loki was able to you know, tear him apart for a few minutes. You know, they they have they're about Cap and Iron Man are about to go at it. But Ultron left lasting effects between the Avengers because when Tony and Bruce created Ultron, that created mistrust between them and the entire Avengers. So automatically things start to go south. Exactly. That's where we first hear the term endgame. Tony sees what is to become of the earth. Now you can say that Scarlet Witch and her power almost helped that, but I think he was Ultron was the first one to tear apart the Avengers and leave a lasting effect that, you know, affected the rest the future of the MCU. But that is all you ain't I got. wrong, my friend. <laughs> that is you all I got. For we all, we talk Ultron. about all the time. Ultra, Age of Ultron is kind of the, a huge turning point in the MCU. Yes, because we have them assemble in the first Avengers. We have these six Avengers, you know, come together. But Ultron, I think, is really where we start to see the the plan of Thanos and the Infinity Stones unfold. Because you see Vision, you see Thor's apocalyptic vision of the future where you see all of the, well, well, you see four infinity stones breaking out of their uh, containment shell, you know, the ether, the Tesseract, all that, and forming in the infinity gauntlet in the stars. So I personally love age of Ultron. Um, and obviously a lot of that had to do with this villain, but let's throw it to you. So you can argue Loki, the God of mischief. Again, I feel like this can be a close one. I'm just going to start off. Kick it off, mic drop real quick. He's the <laughs> god of mischief. Yeah. Literally, aside from goddess of death, I don't know a cooler sounding title out there. Because um, there's nothing good about that. Well, there's there's know. nothing good about that. Mischief. Mischief. I guess well, mischief necessarily guess isn't always good, but, evil, but, but it's it's selfish. He'll stab which you is in a the form back. of evil. Right. Yep. Um. Obviously. He has superhuman strength and durability, regenerative healing, uh, the immunity to the cold because he's a frost giant by, the, the by birth and by biology. Yeah. The ability well, to shapeshift, king. the right, exactly. His ability to manipulate, co- uh, conjure whatever he wants, um, and genius level intellect. Yeah. He started a war with the frost giant and the dark elves. Okay. He Did tried he really? To- yeah. When? What do you mean? What? When do we see the Dark Elves and the Frost Giants fight in the MCU? No, 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 no. Against Asgardians. Oh, okay. So to he didn't cause the Dark Elves to fight. Like you're gonna yeah, get a point he, either way because yes, he right. was the cause of, um, you know, the Frost Giants being able to invade yes. Asgard. But I didn't see where the the Dark Elves had to do with that because. He didn't play a part in it. I guess you're right. Yeah. You're um. Right. Anyways, moving forward, I want to talk a minute about his manipulation of Thor. Okay. Um. So this is a little bit of a, an emotional level. Obviously, the two of them were very close growing up, and Loki developed a hatred for Thor because I'm Odin kind of favored him. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Which is a huge part of why villains are created and where evilness come from. Okay. 
Loki knows how much Thor loves him. He makes it very clear all the time. Okay. When he, when he pretends to die at end of dark world, Thor mourns for him and Loki is okay with that. I think that shows a lot about who he truly is deep down because one of the only people that truly cares for him in the world, he could care less what happens to him. You think he can't, you think he cares less what happens to Thor? I think so because it's hard, it's hard because because of how Loki has turned up, at how right. his character has evolved. So, at, yes, I see where you mean. At at one point, he doesn't care if he lives or dies. So I yeah I understand where you're coming from. Um, and after that death was faked, he essentially forced Odin to go into this. Well, he, he was one of the main reasons why Odin went into Odin's sleep to begin with. And then obviously after he faked his death, when he was disguising himself as Odin, he was ruling as King of Asgard yeah. for a while and put Odin, he literally put him in a retirement home, um, <laughs> literally Odin in a yeah. retirement home in New York. And obviously that wasn't necessarily a direct cause of his death. But that chain of events was essentially his cause of death. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, his scepter is a huge part of the MCU. Um, his ability, he, he took over Hawkeye and Dr. Oh, man, that um, scepter is what led to Ultron. Uh, oh, well, Ultron, Vision, Scarlet Witch, all these yep. people, yep. they, it's unbelievable. Right. And that was really before they knew about the Infinity Stones and all that. So if you at, at the time in which Loki's scepter is being used, that is probably the most useful tool and strongest tool out there. Right? Yeah. Well, it hasn't. Right? It hasn't. Because they don't know Stone. what else is out there yet at that point in time. Can we okay. take a step back? Um, it's kind of off off topic, but going off of his scepter, can you believe the technology that Tony has in his chest where Loki goes to tap it and it does nothing? And clearly, you know, he's tapping on the heart. He's tapping on a person's physical uh, self. And yes, the the technology is a part of tony on a level but at the end of the day it it, i don't know you can make an argument for both because it it is keeping him alive but that technology guarded against an infinity stone right tony stark man you can at some point we need to see who's we need to do a bracket on who's the most intelligent person in the mcu for sure um Last couple points about Loki. Mm-hmm. So with the Battle of New York and him leading the Shatari, Thanos sent him. Okay, so Thanos, who we believe to be one of the mightiest villains out there, okay, yeah. sent Loki, trusted in Loki and his abilities to go, again, because Thanos doesn't have the time to do this stuff, so he's not going to just give this to anybody. He gives Loki an Infinity Stone. Yeah, okay. and tells him to take this Infinity Stone and go get me another one. Yes, that's a lot of faith in a person. 
So yeah. Thanos, who's actually he never did have really... the Tesseract at one point. He had both. Yeah, but that's my last point. Is obviously all that happened, the death and everything that happened in the first Avengers movie. Now going forward, we get Loki at potentially his most evil point at right after that battle, before everything else happens, like in Ragnarok and all that. He now has another Infinity Stone. And we don't know what he's going to do with it moving forward. Obviously, we've seen the trailers for the new Loki show. Mm -hmm. um, and he's going to be kind of putting time back together. However, there's no reason for him to be a good guy right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think he I think I think he has endless opportunity to become an even better villain. Oh, for sure. For sure. We're definitely going to get a very interesting Loki, um, you know. Yep, so it's a moment of truth. You go first. I had 11. I had 10. I had 10 fair. for Loki. Very fair. We knew that was going to be a good one. We knew that was going to be a close yeah. one. Yeah, dude, that was a close. I was getting worried there for a sec because I was like, shoot, point, 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 point. That was, that was great. No, that's that's uh, completely fair. So now so, we are getting into the final bracket. So far, we have Thanos, Kaecilius, and Ultron moving on. Um, and next, and which is going to be bracket, a very interesting, another one. exciting one. And we were the most excited that these two were facing off against each other. It's going to be Killmonger and Zemo. So I'll be arguing Killmonger. Alec will be arguing Zemo. And like I said, this was, I think this is going to be one of the most interesting. I don't think it's going to be the most, one of the longer ones. I think this will be our shortest one yet, but these characters are two that are the most alike. Um, so you want me to go first or? Yeah. Do you... All right. Sure. So I think the first one, he kills Black Panther. You know, he had M'Baku and his tribe, T'Challa, would be, would be dead. Um, which being able to kill the king of Wakanda, I think that's a huge one in itself. Again, going back to a villain that has the right motives like Thanos. He has the right ideas in mind, but he doesn't care about the process. He's willing to, to get to Wakanda and to get some vibranium. He, uh, he poisons an innocent person at, uh, you know, at that museum after killing so many people in Iraq, Afghanistan, after doing this many things, uh, pretty much seeming to be a, a hero for America he, you know, comes back as a villain against America, specifically, you know, against people that are oppressing, you know, African-Americans. So he has a very good cause. So you have to, I think he's one of the only, there's not, validity to it. Exactly. He's one of the villains where I was sad when he died because you wanted to see him do so much good because what he was well, fighting look at what for. He, look what his last words were. He goes, even my ancestors knew that death was better than bondage. And yeah. then obviously he takes the takes gone. the knife out. Yeah. Right. So you always wanted more. And if it would have been done the right way, it could have, you know, ended a lot better for him. Um, but he just didn't care how he got there. Um, now, Ulysses Claw is a villain in itself, but Claw helped Killmonger get to where he was. Um and then he kills Claw out of nowhere. 
so he can get out to Wakanda. I think the next thing is he waged war. He was in the process of waging war across the entire country. He was ready to send uh, send people out of Wakanda, and he already had war dogs in place. Um, so he was ready to wage war against you know the entire country. I, I guess I kind of had this. I had this one twice. I said his ideas come from, uh, you know, true belief in his cause, which are freeing, you know, people that are oppressed. So overall, he's a very complex villain. And I think the reason this is such a short one is because we only had him in one movie. Um, And the main thing that makes him a great villain is, are his core beliefs and what he's trying to do much like Thanos, but obviously on a much, much less level. What I find interesting is that he was a villain. He was a villain that was created by his own people. Okay. Yeah. Created by his own people. And he was a villain that easily could have been avoided. Okay. Obviously Tachaka in the nineties went to Oakland, found him, killed, killed uh, his father. I forget his name off the top of my head. Well, his um, uncle was in uh, Joby was with his, with his dad. Right. I can't remember his, his name. Yeah. So that right there alone, he was completely, he was completely abandoned by his own people. Yeah. And he knew that and filled them with spite and he wanted revenge. That's a recipe for disaster. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so he's a very complex character, but uh, why don't we move forward with Zemo because we're uh, pushing the time a little bit and we still got to go through, go through a quick discussion of the semifinals and the final round to round off this Marvel talk. Yeah, so, so let's hear what you got. Obviously about Zemo. we got to see it in the Falcon and the winter soldier. Um, his high level to be a tactician, a hacker, an engineer, marksman, extremely skilled acrobat, uh, Obviously, great military man, quality soldier, really, really, really good. Um, He was formed with trying to seek revenge for his family's life that was killed in Sokovia, and he blamed the Avengers. Mm -hmm. He is now at this point trying to eliminate all super soldiers, heroes, he doesn't like symbols. He doesn't like things to stand for anything. He is mad at these heroes and feels as if they don't deserve the righteousness and the freedoms that they have. Mm-hmm. Right. He is the first person, a normal person. He's not superhuman. He's not an alien. He's not a God to tear apart the Avengers. Yeah. Okay? I was waiting. For and it. he does that with mental manipulation. Okay, he just like Killmonger kills the king of Wakanda, T'Chaka, blames that on the Winter Soldier, who obviously is already wanted. Wanted, exactly. Um, He knows how much he meant the cap. He knows the feud that's going on with Iron Man and Cap, and what he knows about what the Winter Soldier did to Tony's parents. And making Tony find out in probably the worst way physically possible. Yeah. Just just goes to show like how manipulative, how smart he really is. You, you know, know what's interesting is going off that scene where Tony finds out is 
when Zemo's talking to Cap, he says, there's a little green in the blue of your eyes. He's like, after everything that I know about you, I've been following you, watching you, studying you. And now here I am. And I finally see a flaw. There's some green in the blue of your eyes. And it's just that's that so was interesting. A, that was a sinister little detail. Just if I was Cap, I had to have the heebie jeebies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, really, um, obviously the ties to Hydra, the power broker, everything that was going on in, uh, in Madripoor, yeah. he's up to shady stuff. And he's still able to do the shady stuff while in prison. Obviously, we saw at the end of the show, he was able to kill those last couple super soldiers that got away or that were getting arrested and being brought to prison. He was able to completely eliminate them and make it so that the only super soldiers that we currently know of are Bucky and uh, Isaiah. Well, and Isaiah and uh, John Walker, U.S. agent uh, John Walker. John Walker, jeez, yeah. I can't believe no, you're good. Couldn't, couldn't think of the name. You're, you're full um, on Bad Batch right now. Falcon Winter Soldier's over. We're on to Bad Batch. No, I forgot all about it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's pretty much all I got though. So, again, super interesting character, and he's loaded. So, yeah, he, money is always Dancing nice. To have. Zemo, the Zemo cut. All oh right. yeah, you can't forget about his killer dance move. That should be like five points. True. Right. That's that's double. <laughs> All right. Um, so who who should who should I go first? What dude? I had five. Oh my god! Right, so let's let's go back to the co- tiebreaker again. I think if it comes down to that, who do you think would win? I I think Killmonger takes it. Yeah. I, okay. I was about to say like I think that's an easy one. If that's what it comes down to, Killmonger would. Especially they Killmonger both, in the Black Panther suit. That's and the thing no is, question. Is, yes. But they both have the same type of training. You know, they're both these very high functioning operatives in the military. Um, right. So, yeah, I think when it comes down to Killmonger being having the powers of the Black Panther, it's not even uh, a question. So on this list right now, we had Hella Thanos. Thanos took it. Ultron Loki. Ultron took it. Kaecilius and Red Skull. Kaecilius uh, took that battle. And then finally, which came down to a tie, everything on the right side of the bracket came down to a tie. Um, so we had to go with who would beat who. Killmonger and Zemo. Killmonger ends up getting the victory. So how are we going to do this second round? Because so, we have Thanos So moving going- forward, the, the total points are going to move on to the next round. So now what we're both going to do is try to add more points to each of them to see who would win. So like, for example... Thanos versus Caecilius is going to be this first round. Yeah. So Thanos is coming in with 12 points. All right. So Thanos at 12, Caecilius at nine. And uh, what did you have for Ultron and Killmonger? Uh, Ultron was at 11. Killmonger is at five. All right. So how are we doing this? So let's go. We're like Thanos versus Caecilius. I don't think it's a question. Um, no. What do you think? But is or, there how any, do we debate that? Is there anything off the top of your head that if the two were to face off against each other, any advantages that Cassilius might have? The reason why I think Thanos is a better villain than Caecilius is, let's just come down to power. Let's come down to that alone. Thanos clearly didn't have a problem against Doctor Strange. 
uh, a fully right. trained Doctor Strange while dealing with other Guardians and other Avengers. So we see Iron Man, Spider-Man, Drax, Star-Lord, all these people are coming at him at once. And you have the master of the mystic arts. And Thanos was able to kind of handle him. So that's the only reason why I think it's better because we've seen Thanos fight someone that's an equal, if not more. Because, I, I mean, what do you think? You think Doctor Strange is more powerful than Kaecilius at, at full potential? At full potential, yes. And Doctor Strange did this with the Time Stone. Mm-hmm. So no, let, I, let me ask you this, though. Uh, do you think Kaecilius is more evil? Well, no. See, that's hard because he wants, I think he wants what's best for mortal beings. He wants people, he thinks that joining the, joining Dormammu will bring everybody eternal life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he's doing this because he thinks time and death are a slap in the face to humanity into life in itself. So I think he's doing this because he wants, he wants people to live forever, which, you know, that's a terrifying thought. Absolutely. So I, I don't know. So where, what are we leaning towards? I have, I, I say we add two more points to each of them for points that were brought up with Thanos moving on at 14. All right. Sounds good. All right. So we have Thanos going up against who? Against the winner of Ultron, Ultron Killmonger. Ultron and Killmonger, Killmonger. Is, is such a deficit right now. But I would like to try and add some points to Ultron in the debate between the two. Well, automatically, like, who do who do we agree on? Like, like who do you think is the better villain in the MCU? I'd say I'd say Ultron. But for the yeah. concept of the tournament, we should we, we need to debate the two. Yeah. Um, I say Ultron as well. I think Ultron has the ability to defeat Killmonger just on the fact he can not replicate himself, but have as many disposable units of himself at hand. So I think that's a point for Ultron. Okay. Um, On. I was waving to people. (laughs) Do you have anything else to add about Ultron or Killmonger? Anything at all? I just think the resources that Ultron has outweighs Killmonger because the arguments we're making villains on villains. And I think we kind of got lucky the first round because we didn't have this kind of situation where Killmonger has a good cause. He just doesn't care about the means. Ultron to us does not have a good cause because his main cause is the extinction of us. So clearly we don't like his cause, but Ultron thinks this is the next evolution of life, you know, right. which is, which is metal. Um, and I think when it came down to it, th- uh, Ultron, it just takes the cake over Killmonger pretty, pretty sure. easily. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it's safe to add two points to Ultron and have him advance to the next round at 13. All right, so the moment we were all waiting for, we have the championship round, Thanos versus Ultron. How Man, it's, it's close. How if we got Thanos, Thanos at 14, Ultron at 13. How in the – just how are we going to decide this? I, can't I think 
off the bat between the two, I think Thanos deserves an extra point for being the first big bad of the MCU. He was or he orchestrated the whole thing. He orchestrated the entire thing. And unfortunately, right? we've only seen Ultron in one movie. Although, if Ultron went again went up against Thanos, who do you think? What's going down with the Infinity Gauntlet? I think either way, Thanos probably takes a fight because it would. It's never just Thanos. Okay, it's it's Thanos, the Black yeah, Order, and the yeah. Shatari. Mm-hmm. It's either that or Thanos with the Gauntlet. No, either way, he's taking it. You're exactly right because yes, Ultron has an army of himself, but Thanos has an army that could be just as big. Um, yep. And not only that, he has this legion of, uh, you know, he has the Black Order on his side. So I kind of figured this would happen because it's it's Thanos, but I, I it's the most cliche one on the list that Thanos would be the ultimate MCU villain. Um, so I was kind of hoping someone would edge him out, but when you look at it. There's no way. There's no way. Like he, he. All right. So this week, I I think it's pretty safe to say that Thanos takes a fat W at 16 points. Yep. So at the end, we had Hella versus Thanos. Thanos uh, advanced. Ultron versus Loki. Ultron advanced. Killmonger took on Zemo, and Killmonger took that one. Then we had Kaecilius that moved that uh, defeated Red Skull, leading to Thanos versus Kaecilius. Thanos, Ultron versus Killmonger. We we went with Ultron. And in the championship round, we have Thanos barely edging out Ultron, but he he I does hate, take I hate the that cake for this one. So cliche, but it is what it is. I, I saw this happening. Yeah. I saw Thanos winning. As much as I wanted someone else to sneak in there, I did see it being him. Um, but guys. Thank you very much for joining us, not only on YouTube and the podcast platforms, but for our live audience here on TikTok. This was our first time going live on TikTok, which it was, you know, it was super fun. We had some people in the chat. Um, I've seen people uh, floating in all night. So, you know, definitely thank you for joining us. This was episode 38 of the Carbonite Convos podcast. So can't thank you enough for joining us. Don't forget. And, and don't forget to join us next time. So next week we'll be yep. doing the Star Wars part of this tournament. So Thanos will be squaring off against someone from the star Wars galaxy uh, villainous wise. Yeah. That's going to be a super interesting debate. So definitely come back next week to check this out. Alec and I will try to do it around the same time next Monday. It might be a little fluid, but we will try our best to be here around the same time next week. But for those of you watching at home, thank you once again. And until we'll actually, I'm sorry. One more thing before we go. Right before this, Alec and I actually recorded our next uh, Funko Pop list of Funko Pops that should be made from a specific movie. Uh, Right now, we're going through phase one of the MCU. So we did Iron Man one last week, and tonight we recorded Captain America, the first Avenger. So that will be coming out on Wednesday. So definitely check that out on our YouTube channel called Carbonite Collecting. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, Carbonite Convos, but... Uh, definitely go check us out on our collecting channel and be back. Make sure to be back here next week for the Star Wars portion of this. But until those videos, guys, may the force be with you. Remember, the force will be with you always. <laughs>